All right, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I have Sterling on with me today. Um, hailing from good old Missouri, um, out in the middle of nowhere, relying on Elon Musk to carry us through today's conversation. Um, I think we have a pretty interesting topic. This is the Dungeon Mastermind podcast. Um, I'm Jake Packham, um, humble host of this here venture. Um, and Sterling, I think, is going to have some pretty interesting uh, approach to this. He has uh, some unique experience, and without you know speaking for him, um, Sterling, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit for the folks at home. I am Sterling. Of Sterling Mix. Um, I got into D&D uh, a couple years ago, and I really enjoyed it. Took to the story, um, and actually my wife joined in too. We, we played together. And uh, I started wanting to make a, a dice trays for myself, and dice stands. And then they sort of married, and I made started making dice trays that have you know holders and and then I wanted to make them out of more natural and interesting materials. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the joy of D&D is the story. And I've always sort of had this thought that trees are like story holders. If they could speak, the stories they could tell. And I wanted to have, you know, when you look at a tree and you see all the rings, I immediately think, oh, the stories this tree could tell all these years yeah. around. And so I have dice trays, the, the tree stump dice trays. Or you can just look down and just see the interesting wood. And it sort of, to me, it, it puts me in the mood yeah. to really have a good story in, in the game as well. So I, I make those. Um, I DM a campaign. We're going on our second year now. Incredible. I also play in a, uh, a campaign with a real professional that makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm learning a lot from him. He's a really cool guy. I really enjoy his his campaign and his his method uh, of DM. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing, just plugging away, making dice, and enjoying D and D. I love it. Yeah, folks, y'all got to check out his stuff um, at Sterling Makes. Correct, that's the the handle. Um, it is like custom made from a tree stump a dice tray where you can roll your dice into the tray. It also has some of them have like storage where you can line your dice up on the tray. Um, so they can almost be like a shrine to your character. Um, as you are building this world with your character, um, they're incredible. Like the craftsmanship in these things nuts, man. Um, you've been, you had mentioned that you've been doing woodwork for quite some time. Um, like building your son's crib, which is awesome by hand. Um, like what, like what originally, cause you were talking about like um, the, the stories, right? Like the, the intrinsic um, like built in life of a tree. And that's what kind of draws you in. But like, how'd you get started on something like that? Well, honestly, I really, initially I liked trick boxes and uh, I wanted to make those. Um, I don't know if you ever saw The Illusionist, but uh, there's a oh, necklace yes. he has in there. And I I tried to make a, a larger version of that. Um, I think I may have just cut out. No, nope, you're not. good. Anyway, I tried to make a larger version, like a trick box for my girlfriend, actually. 
And uh, I was like, I don't know, I think 15, 14 at the time. And that really kicked it off. Just really enjoyed um, working with wood. And ever since then, I, I actually just recently started doing a trick box uh, for D&D. It was like, it came full circle. I started with a trick box and I finally had a reason to make another trick box. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, obviously, like your your D and D experience, you kind of touched on a little bit. Like, obviously, running your own campaign as well as playing, um, and you homebrew your campaign. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, tell us a little about your world. Um, so that's kind of funny. I I didn't know, like, I even to this day. I don't really know exactly how everything works in the actual official D&D uh, realms. And I didn't want to go about trying to figure out what the lore of this city was and the lore of this world and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm just going to make my own. I have this great idea. I'm just going to make my own. And uh, so in my world, I use a lot of the names, like Bahamut, uh, a lot of the Pantheon of Gods. I use a sure. lot of them as well. Uh, I, I sort of adapt their backstories for my world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use a lot of that, so a lot of similarity. But other than that, the world is very medieval-esque, you know. Nice, high fantasy. High fantasy, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the world itself, I, I actually really enjoy uh, the idea because it's coming. Initially, it was just an idea, but it's like being filled in more and more by the players and by the things that keep happening. It's really fleshed out. But Bahamut is, is a, a pivotal character. So in my world the players are just now figuring this out the world has been reset multiple times but they don't know how they don't know why sure. and only one being in all of this has evaded that reset which is Bahamut this platinum dragon because he is able to create a, a material realm by himself that he escapes to and then comes back so he Interesting. knows what's happened before and he's trying to figure yeah. out why it keeps resetting as well as the players are too right and um, eventually some things happen where he's not able to participate with them as much as he was in the very beginning trying to get them to do stuff and things like that but they've got a lot of inklings and it's really fun because like if there's a one shot like the two people are missing I'll take them to a different time when they were doing something and they Clever. play through this campaign and see like oh wow it ended this way this time like and, and this is how it happened yeah and, yeah I can just do that anytime someone's missing and it like sure. feeds the mystery, but also doesn't interrupt the play. People can still yep. play and it's still in the world and they can use their characters and things like that. So it's really fun to be able to have that. And like I had this filler episode. Yeah, yeah. I had this yeah. one episode where Bahamut was corrupted by something and he was um, very weak and, and these things were happening, but these visions kept popping out of him of past things that he's experienced. And so every now and then during this big fight, um, I would have them roll on a random table and a memory would, would play mm. that they would be able to. And again, it's like a little clue, a little inkling of yeah. the story. But it's really fun because I kind of try to like observe the things that, like where they're wanting to go with the characters so that sure. my stories aren't out of nowhere. They're like, I kind of see this is where you might have wanted to go. This is how it would look if something went a little differently over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just kind of right. go through. Yeah, that's awesome. It also kind of leaves a nice little net for you as the DM because you have a, a 
imperfect memory believe it or not folks at home um and so if you ever fudge <laughs> something up man you just say ah yeah. he raced <laughs> nah, so far and i've wondered about that like would it be triggering to them if i accidentally set it up so that they like it can reset because i don't know if i want it to be possible to reset I, it has to be because sure. like, that's there it has i'm been, a little concerned because right. it, it might and I don't know if that would be upsetting to them because I don't want to upset them, of course. I think they would really sure. enjoy it. Um, but that threat has to be there for it to be a part of the story and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Just like player character death, right? Like, you yeah. have to know, like, you have to be on the line that, like, I this combat could kill my character. And you should want it to not happen, right? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of thought if we did reset it, we can kind of go, like, well, let's go ahead and go back up to level eight, but let's talk about some of the things that you think you might have done differently if, like, this variable had changed, you know, like, and kind of go through it so sure. that they sort of get a, a little bit of a fresh start. They can even do a different character if they wanted or keep the same one but have the backstory a little different and, like, have it continue that way. Yeah, I love that. Um, very cool. Honestly, that sounds like a freaking good time. Um, and... Story-wise, you have done a good enough job to introduce somebody who's never played before uh, in your world. So that is a testament to a good tale. Um, and a good tale is kind of what uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about today. Um, obviously, like you had mentioned a couple times now, that like story, the story of Dungeons & Dragons um, is really what keeps you involved, keeps you invested into the game. Um, and that's a pretty common theme, right? Like, you're not a weirdo for thinking, like, oh, D&D is so great because it's a good story. Like, oh, what a hot take, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, that's it, right? People play it because it's interesting. The story is evolving, and you play a role in it as a character. Um, but there is also, like, it can be whatever you want. But there's also, it relies on this sucker, right? This little yeah. dice that determines yes or no. I, I think um, that... Yeah, fire away. Oh, I, I think the dice is such a, a wonderful component because I, I personally, I get attached to my character and I try not to, but I'm like, you know, I want to see this one through. I got this whole backstory, you know, on that campaign I'm playing, I'm playing a homebrew class. I really want to see where it goes, you know. But at the same time, it's kind of like in life, like the micro to the macro here. You know, we as humans get really attached and we want things to happen the way we want them to happen. And unfortunately, doesn't it happen. doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. We're not able to control everything. And I think in D&D, it's really nice because it simulates that at the same time. And it can help you practice something that you can practice in real life, which is just, okay, that didn't go like I wanted it to. There was a variable there that I can't control. But you know what? I'm going to see where this goes. And I'm going to make a good story out of it. And whatever happens, happens. And the thing about that is, I know in my campaign, I know there's some people will fudge numbers or, you know, like they really want it to work out a certain way. And I really don't want to do that. And in not doing that, the stories that emerge are better than I could have imagined. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I was like, you know what? And it's almost... It's almost like faith. I'm not saying it is faith at all. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost like that faith where you're just like, I don't need to control this. Let's just see where this goes. Now, you know, this happened. 
this was played out. And I, I think people are way more satisfied with that too. And I think that's the thing about D&D that is so satisfying to a lot of people. I mean, I know there's some number of countries that just want to roll dice and do math. I've yeah. heard of that. Um, but I still think they wouldn't play D&D if they didn't really like the way that turns out. But, um, you know, we had a, a session a couple of weeks ago where my wife was a little, a little upset because <laughs> <laughs> things weren't going a good direction for her character. Um, yeah. But I was like, hey, I'm playing it the way that this character play it. The roles are the way the roles are going. Let's just see it out. And by the end of the session, we were all like, that was the best session ever. It was just so good. Yeah. And it had just come around. The redemption. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. that The dice are, are a variable that just, we have to let go of control and just go with it. And, you know, you have a bad role. be like, well, I was just, I'm still distracted and disappointed that, you know, my cousin got taken away, you know, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, come up with a story reason for why that might have happened. Instead, yes. like, oh, I rolled a two on perception again. You know, yeah. it's like, I love that because I have a player who's got observant trait and crazy high perception. Yeah. You know, and so he rolled low and I was like, you know, you're just, you're just distracted because, you know, you think about, and, and I didn't just make some forces on him. I knew that his character was, was evolving that way. You know, that his cousin had right. recently taken and so, you know, it's, it really helps me make that story more interesting, more gripping to make yeah. sense of the roles after you have it. Well, and I think it makes you a, um, a more dynamic player at the table when you approach it that way, right? Like yeah. if I am a player character and I am truly letting my dice determine the success or failure and to what degree, um, it allows me to practice, right? Like, I can practice awareness of the story, awareness of other people and their story and where they're developing um, to where like, you know, maybe it maybe stealing off that idea, right? Like your cousin got taken away, but like that's affecting me now, right? Like as your party member, like when I roll poorly, I am now aware of your situation and guess what? Pal, like this is a bonding experience that we're both yeah. bombing on these dice rolls. Um, but more than just like, oh man, I'm gonna put these dice in dice jail because they're not rolling well. Like, well, statistically yeah. it's rolling the way that it will. <laughs> um yeah. but it it allows like you said, it allows the story to come to life. Um because I think there is something profound about having a statistical math rock uh, where you have a 1 in 20 chance of it going perfectly and the exact same likelihood that it will go absolutely terribly. Um, and there's something really beautiful about that. Like that that's the, it's the same in real life, right? Like I could get the job of my dreams and be fired two weeks later or something outside of my own efforts. Um, like 2008, you know, market crash, you're a real estate agent on the top of your game, killing it. 2008 happens, market crashes and you are toast. But like you have no control of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you got to do something, right? You, you can sit around and twiddle your thumbs or you can go out and make something of yourself still, but the dice determine what happens now. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I remember when I first started playing, I was like, I only have a plus two in strength. Like, that's such a that's such a small amount. But the thing is, those stats aren't supposed to be huge. It's just offset the chance by a little, but it's 
it's not supposed to negate it completely. You're never supposed to be able right. to just 100% never have to worry about chance. But the thing about that, I just realized when you were talking, it's almost making sense of madness. Whenever you are dynamic, like you are saying, you come up with a story for this role and you like, and this whole bonding experience happens, and all this, it's, it's making sense of madness there. And like in the world, I, I do this all the time myself, um, a little more faith-based in my life, but you know, it's like, this happened for a reason. Let's, let's make sense right. of this madness instead of just being right. like, oh, well, Mark crashed. I'm just always getting bad roles. I guess whatever. You know I mean? Like that's a very defeatist attitude, but also mm -hmm. it, it's not as productive and it's not as enjoyable. And that's the thing. That's what I'm saying here is that when those bad roles come in and it seems like it's going to be bad, if you roll with it, the story is so satisfying that comes out of that. Even if you die, you and your friends are going to be talking about that for years to come, how awesome this you know this scene was where you lost your life, and if you lean into it and just really go with it, you get this fantastic story that lives on. Yeah. And, and to extent, not to harp on the trays, but that's something I like doing with the the tree stump trays. It's just I design each one of those specific to that piece of wood. I literally take a picture of that piece of wood, I put it in the software, and I design the tray for that one. And I don't really have a formula for that but it's almost like sure. making sense out of this madness like this random shape like where would i put the dice where's the most efficient way to you know get a rolling area and things like that and i like it i, I love that process each yeah. one is different there's no staple and i can't control what the wood looks like when i cut it but i definitely you know try to make sense of that and make it look really satisfying and cool for that wood for that wood, right. yeah yeah yeah, man, I think there's, man, that that's, wow, awesome little catalyst there for conversation. Um, brilliant. Because people, like, you know people, everyone knows someone in their life that's like, oh, they are always so positive. It doesn't matter what they're going through. Like, they're always able to bounce back. Like, that's not just an inherent trait. That's 100% a skill, right? That is something that is developed, that they didn't just wake up one day and they were. Right. Like you didn't look at a piece of wood one day and say like, ah, oh, yes, the tree has spoken to me. I know exactly what you intend to be. Right. Yeah. But like that's years of practice and thousands of hours trying to look for what it could become. And 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 again, right, like we I've kind of harped on this on the last couple episodes, but like the whole like beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is not the fact that you can go in and pretend to be a high elf paladin that goes off and kills a dragon. Like that's all well and cool. But like the whole point of it is to like, that there's something profound in these weird whimsical stories um, that allow us to practice life in a way that is fun and with other people. And that is so much low risk, so much lower risk um, that like practicing bouncing back, practicing rolling with the punches, rolling with the nat ones, you know, and, and choosing to make every reaction worth having a story about. Um, yeah, man, I think that's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Um, I, I mean, you can, Practice humility with a bad role. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, 
your fantastic paladin that is so amazing and has all this charisma and gets a bad roll. You can you can emulate and practice humility and take that and make a story out of that. You know, to the character and and like you're saying, it's I I think the one to one comparison, uh, what you can practice on the micro of D and D, can be applied in real life if you so choose. And I think right. life lived in a shallow well is not very fun but if you go into the depth of it and you really try to understand yourself and and what you're doing in the game what you're doing in life and you look for those parallels you get so much more out of everything it's much more enjoyable yeah no question man no question and and like again to like bring the 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 whole dice aspect of it right i got a a tray full of all the dice that i hoard like a dragon um that like I I love these little pieces of plastic or metal, um, and like the satisfaction of rolling them is not like because they make a cool sound when they hit the box. You know, it's it's like this is putting my idea into the hands of st- statistics, like yeah. saying this rock, this piece of metal is going to make my idea happen or it won't um is awesome i just i love that so much and yeah there there is that that sensation when you pick it up and it's like i want this to happen i want this to happen but at the same time in my mind i'm like but if it doesn't it's okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I uh and I know you've talked about this a little bit, like you know, like the, you you tie this to faith a little bit. And I myself have you know um, a, a Christian background and, and faith, and so like it's hard to not talk about these things and also tie it back into like a faith understanding if that's like your perspective, right? Um, and so like yeah, absolutely, like having the the trust and the the desire for it to succeed, but also having at the same time the willingness for it to not work out and be okay with that. Right. Having, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be faith-based, but I, I, the parallel would be silly not to comment on whether you believe in, 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 you know, in DD or some intelligent design or just the universe, whatever it is. The point is going through life and saying, you want to put effort into the things that you want, obviously. But there's also this this sense of putting some faith in some higher power, whatever it is, when things don't work out, like, and, and you could not do that. You could, you think you could think of just being blown around and that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't mind that pers- perspective if somebody has that, but for myself, I, I choose to go through life, um, looking for purpose and meaning in things so that I can get the most out of every situation that I can. And with the dice, it is a a parallel. Like put your faith in the dice, and I'm not saying literally put your faith. In the <laughs> right. Dice. I worship is, this dice here. It, it's it's almost you could say not my will, but thy will be done, which is sure. a very religious statement. But at the same time, it applies to the dice. Like this is what I want. Mm-hmm. If you don't choose to let that be a reality, not my will, but thy will be done, and I'm going to go with it, and right. I'm going to make the most of it, and that's it. Like I right. don't think there's anything wrong with that parallel, religious or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, cause I, I think it is, it, it is something that can often take this, the wind out of your sails, right? Like when somebody is really buying into a role play, 
um, and really putting in the effort to like make something truly persuasive. And then they just bomb the persuasion check, right? Like trying so hard to put in on that, um, that like, is there a time that you feel, um, a check would be offset, right? Like choosing to opt out of rolling the dice in favor of good gameplay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to reward roleplay. I think that's a, a great thing to do. I still don't want it to be completely dictated by how well you can act over other you know, players and things like that. Right. But at the same time, it's like, if a player comes up with something that is very convincing and heartfelt and, and interesting and or story, whatever, yeah, I might say roll with advantage or maybe mentally lower the DC in my mind a little bit. I still got, for me, I still leave it up a little to chance because I just, you know, I have to. Um, yeah. I have a very acrobatic character that tried to do something and it's, you know, he's a tabaxi. He shouldn't be able to do it. And I was like, yeah. Let's still roll just to be sure. And as long he rolled as not a net one. And it's like, ah, hey man, I'm sorry. But the story that came out of that is so cool. He, he yeah. rallied, came through it, did another acrobatic thing right after. It was super awesome. Did this thing with Bo. It was fantastic. We, we love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's sad that, that I had a roll. Yeah. And in my mind, I had a very low DC because sure. what he was everything doing, indicates was, that this should happen. Yeah. So I don't think I would ever forego a roll, but I might lower the DC or, or something or give them advantage, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, because again, right, like like you were saying that you know there is there there needs to be a layer of risk to it, but I think from like a, a dungeon master perspective, um, I think that can also do a lot for taking the pressure off of you for feeling like you're railroading. Right. Like for for having players feel like your story is all that matters. Right. But like you say, like you want to do something absolutely breaking the rules of the game. Roll three nat 20s in a row. No questions asked. It is done. Right. Um, But like and, and leaving it to them in that role to say, like, I don't think this should happen. But because I'm fair, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. And to your, what you said before we started, you were uh, talking about the different dice. I, I do use percentile dice. Um, in my world, they have um, these heart, hearts of titans that is a whole long story I'm not going to go into. But the point is, I wanted to have some way that they could commune with them but not be super easy to do, also not super difficult. It didn't seem appropriate to use um, a D20 for it. Yeah. I didn't even have a DC necessarily. It was just like, well, let's roll a percentile dice. I've got a number in mind. You know, let's just do it. And it, it's one of those things where through time, doing that over and over again, it feels balanced. Like they get to commune with that an appropriate amount of time that doesn't seem too much doesn't seem too little mm-hmm. it's just something that has worked out it's not there's yeah. no um, system behind it there's no rules behind it it's something I sort of thought of I wanted to find a way that they could do that and interact with that and it seemed appropriate for uh, percentile dice to do that yeah I like that um, for the folks who don't know what the percentile dice is 
when you get a polyhedral dice set, you get uh, two little D10s. Uh, one has numbers in the tens and one just one through ten. Uh, you would roll the two together and that gets you like out of a hundred what your roll is, right? So I just rolled a 49 uh, out of effectively 100, right? Um, yeah, like I, because I like the, the percentile dice for the um, wild magic surges. I think that built in with the, the wild magic sorcerer um, is really fun. Um, anytime that a wild magic item can be put in play, I love putting that in just because it just adds a whole extra layer of uh whimsy and shenanigans you know when you get a feather beard it's like this means absolutely nothing to my character but everybody eats that up you know like i rolled an 82 on it and so now i have a beard right <laughs> like or all my hair fell out why <laughs> you know yeah. um the the opposite of that though that absolutely drives me nuts is the um the cleric the not channel divinity the uh, what is divine it? intervention? Divine intervention. Yeah, that's right. See, that's the thing is, I didn't want to use that one because my in my world the titans and gods are all a lot closer than that, and it didn't seem appropriate to use. You got to get below your level. It's like, yeah, huh. right. Well, I'm a level three cleric, man. Like yeah. the, a three percent chance. I mean, I get it, right? Like because divine intervention can create some pretty ridiculous events but like that's the whole point of the character right is to yeah. commune with god and make god things happen um yeah i i kind of have a, a system that, that see in my world the gods are a little closer but they're also not they know what to expect if they do get divine intervention it, it is still awesome and you're gonna be happy you got it but it's not going to be as game-breaking as the other thing which is why i increase the chance of it happening because that's that's mm -hmm. the thing they're closer, so it makes sense to them to have it more often, but not be so game breaking when it does happen, sort of thing. Yeah. So I just yeah. would have to come up with like a system. Yeah, because it it almost takes that option um, as playing a a cleric, right? Because um, you can, as an action, use your divine intervention instead of casting a spell, right? Um, but that like that's never on the table, you know. Like that's never <laughs> really. You know, something that you would consider as part of your combat uh, economy, you know. They should have just um, named it, well, I have nothing else, so why not? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love that. I would, I would, uh, I would like to incorporate that more, um, but adjust that mechanic a little bit. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, to kind of re recap what some of these dice are, like for a lot of folks who have never played before, you get a set of seven dice um, and you've, you're only familiar with one, uh, a D6, right? This is the, the classic dice that you play any game ever with. Um, but there's also the main dice, which is your D20. Uh, this one you're going to use a lot. Um, and I think... It's like there is something I, I really prefer hefty dice. I like to feel the chance in my hand before I roll it. Um, and I am a little bit bummed that you don't use the other dice nearly as often. Um, but that's also 
parallel for life. You know, you don't get to use every tool in your arsenal all the time. Uh, otherwise, we'd all be millionaires and Sterling would be using my internet, not Elon Musk's, but not yeah. me. That, that is interesting. That's one of the things with the trades. It's always kind of annoying. I can't come up with a standard count of dice because if somebody plays a rogue or somebody right. plays a paladin or somebody plays Warhammer, I just yep. designed a trade tonight for someone who plays Warhammer. He wanted 36 D6 slots. And that was Whoa. it. Yeah, that's all he wanted. I was like, you must play Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. And But the thing is, like, I, I just try to, I, one of the first things to do, what's your dice setup? You know, what, how can I accommodate this? What do you like doing? And let's make it flexible. I even you know, went to making inserts where you can remove it if you change your dice setup. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Because, I mean, it's something that's always, I really like the stands I have because it's easy to grab. They, they're all tidy. I, I love those. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got mine. I've got three sets of mine. I did just fantastic. Um, but, there's no constant on how many dice you use and which class uses and things like that. And I, I, when my wife gets to roll fireball damage, she gets to roll all those D6s. It's like, mm-hmm. it's awesome. All right. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't happen for me who's playing. I'm actually playing a monstrosity and the other one. So I don't, I don't get that. But anyway, um, I, I do enjoy the other dice a lot. I, I actually, Really like the D um, the D uh, twelve. I like the shape, uh, and I like. I just wish I could roll them more. I just don't. Yeah, I get a like, great axe or something. Yeah, exactly right. I I agree. I think the D twelve is, um, like it to me looks the most symmetrical of the mm-hmm. dice, which I is, is a satisfying look for me. Um, I thought Critical Role did a pretty cool job incorporating like this, you know, uh, dodecahedron into the their like world, you know, like with the their whole thing. Um, but like, I I want to intentionally use these. Um, I love in risky situations when something is like someone is falling off of something. Uh, rolling a D6 or a D4 to determine the direction that they're falling, especially if there's like a cliff or, you know, um, something risky about them making this decision. Um, Using it for like determining publicly uh, the number of traps or villains or whatever, like goons that they're about to fight, uh, face, goodness gracious. Um, so that there's an anticipation and um, like some mystery, but also like, you know what to dread now. Like now your fear has a face in the form of a number, you know? Um, you know, that's interesting. I, I, uh, while you're talking, I just, I just thought of, you know, when we pick up that D20, there's, there's so much associated with that. Like we, we identify it as, you know, the desire, decider of my fate. It's like, there's a lot of weight to that. When you pick up your damage dice, you know, that's always going to be good. Usually you, roll, you get to roll damage. It's great. The mm-hmm. hard part's already over. You already rolled a D20. You can definitely hit. Right. I but, hit. Now how bad? Yeah. Yeah. 
to your point though, I really think that's interesting. Come up with systems in the game where you give weight to these other dice. Like mm-hmm. when you pick up that D six because you're rolling for um I don't know, you come like your directions of where you fall or something like that, you know, giving weight to that where it becomes more interesting. Uh and I listen to this podcast a while back, uh, Dungeons and Daddies, it's a Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, when they first started, they had it where if you made a dad joke, you took psychic damage, and it was a D4 of psychic <laughs> yeah. damage. Yeah. yeah, I think that's an example where you give a D4 so much more memories associated with it because, you know, it's it's coming off the back of, oh, man, somebody made a dad joke. How much damage did I take? Right. Yeah. I yeah. think that that would be cool to do. I've done a few tables where I've used, like, a D10, like, roll D10 to see, you know, what memory comes out of Bahamut sort of thing. I've, I've done right. that, but... It would be interesting to do that more often with um, the systems that kind of return too. So it's like you develop this memory and this story around that dice itself, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. I I had this idea for um, like barbarians specifically, um, where like a lot of the damage that they deal is with a d12, right? Because they're usually using you know, big two-handed weapons. Um, and in some cases, it's even like 2d12, right? So they can heft out some pretty gnarly damage. Um, but like giving a layer of... Because a, a barbarian, you know, they rely on rage and they are a martial class where they're mostly tanks, right? They're the guys up front and just, oh, I would like to rage, uh, you know, like whatever. Um, not a super interesting character or class in my opinion. You know, teach their own, but like, I want a little more depth to it. Um, but like incorporating a, that, that same damaged dice that when you are raging a one in 12 chance that it like doesn't work, you know, like, cause the rage is, it, it can be pretty stacked where you half all martial damage, all slashing, bludgeoning and piercing damage. Like that's pretty dang great unless you're fighting like an actual dragon and like the cold damage eats you up whatever right but like especially early on like i would like you rage that's great um well it didn't actually work you are angry but you're still going to take full damage on this um just i don't know like something workshop to try and make the character more interesting by incorporating the risk of it not working out. Yeah, I think with that, it could be very punishing if it didn't just straight up work. But if you associate certain attributes, give them a number and say, you know, roll a d6, and if you get like a six, everything works just fine, smooth. But if you roll a five, like maybe you don't get immunity to slashing. Right, yeah. Just just some features of the degree. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That way... It does work all the time, but it doesn't always work as well. So yeah. I think that would be interesting. And as somebody who has played just a little bit of a barbarian in one campaign, I think that that would make it interesting for sure. And I would yeah. love that because I love this story. But the more mechanical-minded, I think maybe a discussion first would have to happen. But I would like that personally. Yeah. I think it's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, and and again, like uh, again, I love the wild magic aspect of it. And if I ever play a barbarian, you gotta go with the path of the wild magic because again, you're incorporating that same thing. Every time you rage, something unique happens. Yeah. Um, 
where like that's you, I think one of them is like, you just have pixies floating around you. Like nothing else happens. You know, you just have some pixies around, which is again, just like funny, but sometimes it's like you deal thunder damage around you um, to, you know, make your rage more interesting. Um, which again, just comes back to that's, that's life, man. You know, like it, it isn't going to work out exactly the same way. And, and having this fixed finite rule to it makes it the most relatable. I just, they're so great, man. Yeah. For, for anybody that's new or even a veteran to, to D&D, and I'm, I'm pretty new. I'm pretty green. You know, I really would in, encourage to just sort of have more of a, a receptive mindset to letting what happens happens and just making a good story out of it because it's just so satisfying. And these, these fixed rules that, that he's talking about and the, the, the um, system he was proposing for uh, the barbarian there, you know, that's something that may seem punishing, but without any risk of there being some negative outcomes and some great outcomes, you don't have as good a story. You got to have some potential for risk and failure to make it so satisfying when you succeed and so enjoyable. So, you know, my wife had a character who missed so much early on in the campaign. And then some of the campaign, campaign we're playing, she has a character that hits all the time. She's like, I swear that character is just cursed. But I'm, I'm just thinking that character is interesting. That comeback story is going to be awesome when she levels yeah. up. And start slamming with these fireball after fireball sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. gonna be really interesting. That's a good story. Yeah, yeah. I I had a, a I played a couple games with my family and my brother. Very similar. You know, we we built him this this monk character um, and could not hit a dang thing for the life of him. And he was getting so mad that he could. You know, even at a level three. You know, you got your your attack and then your bonus action flurry of blows. And, you know, so you're like dealing out a couple hits and he was hitting none of them. Um, so the second time we played, he ended up dealing like the killing blow on the guy. And so it was like, you know, it was, it was fun to be able to spin that of like, you were intentionally missing, you know, like storing up kinetic energy and he's a monk of the, the way of the open hand. And so, like, you know, describing how, like, these spectral hands encased his own as he, like, bludgeoned this dude to death. And it was like, like, he was just all over it, you know, and everyone was stoked. It was, like, two in the morning. So, as stoked as you can be at that late. Um, yeah. But, like, that's, it was so much more satisfying that way. Frustrating, no question. But, like, that comeback is what's satisfying. That's why Captain Marvel's, like, the dumbest freaking marvel character out there um she has no difficulty in her her movie her movie was garbage because the difficulty is oh man uh well let me just fly through the ship you know like oh an entire fleet i'm like okay <laughs> like there is no struggle there is no yeah. risk you just yeah, break everything yeah well i i definitely want to add some more systems that that use some of the other dice. I really like the idea of, of giving more meaning and purpose and, and excitement about those other dice. I think that's a really good good thought. Not to go back to that, but I just I'm mulling that over 
thinking about how I can apply it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And guys, if you have any ideas, please, like we, and that's one of the great things that I've noticed about like the D and D community specifically is nobody thinks they've got it made right. Nobody thinks that their system is perfect. Um, and like, we all want to make the game more fun. We all want it to be more interesting and more, uh, engaging and involved. And like, everyone's open to that. You know, like if someone has a cool idea, like I'm going to steal that and everyone's going to love it. And I love that. I'm letting that you're stealing it. Right. You know, well, I, so, I browse through the homebrew section. I browse yeah. through, you know, I love getting, I've used so many things in my campaign that I've, you know, seen on Reddit or, um, and GM tools or whatever that website is. I, I love it. I, I don't, yeah. I, most of my NPCs have, homebrewed subclasses because i just love using them it's so mm-hmm. interesting yeah well and, and now with like all the social media stuff it's too easy to find good quality content oh, that yeah. people are just you know forking out because they have good ideas um and what good is a good idea if nobody's using it so yeah there's a there's a guy on instagram he's air pocky or something like that anyway he had a, a big source drop that was like perfect for my campaign. It was all about divine uh, items and stories and stuff like that. I was like, I'm using these because my yeah. character's about to go somewhere where they can come in contact with me. These are great. And then after that, uh, he started coming out with elemental stuff. And it was like, my campaign, before I even knew he did that, was already going <laughs> in a direction where I was going into the elemental planes. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. I even commented on those. How do you do this? You just, you're following my campaign so well. Yeah. And, yeah, great. I actually think I, I follow that guy because he's doing like keys right now, I think is the, his thing. And like all the keys are so freaking brilliant that like I want to just incorporate them everywhere. Like he has one that's like the key of locking where it doesn't unlock a single door, but it can lock anything. Like you put it in any keyhole, locked. I was like, brilliant, man. The shenanigans that would come from that item, unlimited. Yeah. Just a good time. You know, that's interesting. I do. I I tend to make homebrewed a little overpowered items, and I have to make my encounters more massive to account. Sure. For the but Dragon I, Ball V effect. <laughs> I had been wanting to make because I still want to give them something, so yeah. I've been wanting to make more trivial items. So that key is a perfect example, but also maybe with those items is something where I could come with a system where I could use the other dice in in. And with that item to make that more yes. interesting. Yes, um, absolutely. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, like uh like using the percentile dice, like maybe something, you know, whatever potion, like you can turn any liquid into a potion of your of, of whatever this happens, right? Um and you roll a percentile dice and if you know one to ten it turns into a health potion. Ten to twenty, that's a poison, you know, um, or a greater restoration or something, you know. Um, but maybe you don't know until you drink it, you know, so that there is that risk still, you know, um, or that, that locking key, you know, like how many days this or hours or minutes does this door stay locked? Roll a D10. Yeah. Let's see how many minutes. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You're trying to keep how much time is buying you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. have a short rest or what? <laughs> right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, man, thank you for coming on. I like, Every time I have a guest on here, like I'm just baffled at the ideas and stuff that come flowing. I think 
this is the way that it should be, you know, um, people wanting to improve on things and that's great. Um, I love your work. Absolutely adore it. I think people need to be following this. So how do we support you, man? Like, where do we, where do we find your stuff? How do we buy your stuff? Where do we, where are you? Well, before that, I just, I want to say, I, I love the premise of your podcast based on what I've seen. Uh, and yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I hope that people follow your podcast <laughs> and continue this because the, the concept a life unexamined is not worth living. I think D&D unexamined is not worth playing. Like, it's great what you're trying to do here. I love it. So, as far as me, um, you can follow me on Instagram. That's Sterling Makes. We also, my wife just uh, went through all the work to do a website, SterlingMakes.com. Nice. And with that, you know, we'll put all our trades on there, stuff like that. But she also wants to do more of the know gallery of pictures we do on the side like things we do on the mm. side and stuff like that so it you know it would be a good place to check out too and if you want to buy you can buy there i will say i know trays are expensive and completely unnecessary believe me i know um but what i am trying to do is i want every tray to be more than just something you roll your dice with i've had so many people right. like they they're like hey i want to do like one guy had the symbol that was important in his campaign engraved in the middle, and then the initials of all the players around it, and so cool. you know they, they bring their campaigns to them or their stories, and that's what I want. Like if you're yeah. gonna spend this money on a dice tray, let's make it beautiful, let's make it specific, and let's make it a part of the story that you're doing. Like the stories need to be represented there, and so I really, Amazing. I, I I always hope that by the end of the you know my relationship with the customer we're like you know some level of friends because you know there's a lot of back and forth you know and one guy he turned me on to an awesome book series the cosmere series because he loved the cosmere series and we, we worked on that but that in his trace so was training it more than just i'm um, rolling dice there you know i had yeah a whole story to it by itself so if you do follow you can just see the stories i try to do what i can i'm, I'm not good at, at instagram but i'm trying <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm on Etsy too. It's Sterling Makes everywhere. I have Sterling Makes. Yeah. So if you Great. want to find me, just type that and you'll find me somewhere. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to put all your links and stuff in the, like the show description so people can find you. Uh, we're going to be sharing the heck out of you, man, because I think your work needs to be seen, needs to be found. Um, it's uh, special stuff. Um, I massively appreciate you coming on, man. Seriously, it, it like is really cool to connect with people across the freaking country over something as, you know, silly as a game might be um, and make something more out of it than just dice and imagination. Yeah. I you. Um, yeah. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it, folks. Thanks for coming on and enjoying this with us. Um, Go show some love to Sterling. Um, go show some love to your other craftsmen friends. Um, that's how we make the world go round, man. Uh, go play some D&D. Go make it important. Roll some nat ones and make a good story out of it. Yeah. Adios, folks. <laughs> Thanks, man.